Syracuse, New York, if there's anyone there that doesn't know me. And um, we were, Evelyn and I were asked if we would do a forum on building strong relationships between our fellowship of churches. And uh, Evelyn decided that she would rather support me in prayer, so I'm going to be doing, uh, doing most of the talking today. And to start, um, I'd like to know what, uh, what's on people's hearts. Why did you decide to come to this forum? And um, do, you have a, do you have a concern on this topic? And if you, could, if you could share a little and express some of those concerns, it would help me to um, help me as we go through some of the stuff that I prepared so that um, I don't get, uh, so that I address your concerns and I don't go too far off on my own. Uh, my own path here. Uh, would anyone like to, to start and tell me why you decided to come to this forum today and what your concerns are? Yes, Brother Andre. Well, through the years, I, I learned to cherish the relationship that our churches have historically being able to travel from place to place and in fellowships and uh, always be left home. It's no longer that, unfortunately. Uh, changes uh, have negative impacts on strong relationships among ourselves. But that's also one uh, characteristic, spiritual characteristics that we often hear of converts who are, who are baptized and come into our fellowship from outside of the church fellowship. Mm-hmm. As they traveled and they have gone to different places, they were astonished that they were taken in by total strangers and the love that they had experienced and that drew them to uh, want to know more about the Lord and the fellowship. And uh, I for one would I don't want to see blocks. But oh. it's on the way out. Some of them do not and I don't, I'm not judgmental. I'm only stating facts. Some do not feel that it's important. Others feel that that needs to be extended to the whole Christian world. We're all brothers. Uh, while I respect them, uh, there are vast differences which makes this strong relationship between our churches very, very precious. And it's, it's worth maintaining. Okay. So in the, the past, that this, is, this has been something that, you know, as long as I can remember growing up in the church, that this is something that people always talked about that was very important to our church. It was very encouraging to people. And, um, you know, as, as Brother Andre said, even to those who came into our church from outside aside our trickle, circles have found this to be very encouraging, the um, ability to visit and to fellowship with the different, different churches. The reason why I came to this forum is because of the simple fact that uh, um, today uh, there is a new uh, code used by our younger sisters uh, in our church. It's called BYOB. It stands for Bring Your Own Boy to the Church. Meaning uh, we are on a fast diminishing basis uh, in membership and uh, how many churches uh, we associate with and like, communicate with and conjugate with. And uh, basically, the, the, the slogan nowadays is, well, if you want to get married, bring your own boy from the world. And we're saying that, like, I'm not saying that, that there's anything wrong with uh, evangelizing 
bit something like that. But I'm just trying to say that uh, we are in that position now that our children are engaged to get married, and uh, uh, the choice is uh, becoming fewer and fewer and fewer for all the time. And I'm saying that for you younger people, uh, young children now, the choices will be fewer and fewer yet as to who you're going to marry within the church. And because our discipline is such that we don't marry outside of the church, uh, if we do not build a strong relationship within our congregations, we shall become islands so fast that we eventually become just families that build congregations. Okay, so the, the concern is that um, you know, in order for our children to find believers that are that are like-minded, that um, we need to encourage the fellowship between our churches. Um, others, Sister Katrina. Growing up, um, we had a family that always invited in. That family had not done that, and the sister would serve anything she had, or if we had a lunch at church, she would take everything home and just serve what she. All So I think that's one of the main challenges a lot of us face today is that we get busy with our individual lives and, you know, if we think about it, things that our parents' uh, generation did for us and, you know, looking back, all the, the effort that they expended on, on this type of activity, trying to encourage fellowship and getting our, us together as kids, um, you know, Sometimes if we take stock of that, it looks like uh, we need to kick it up a notch here and um, we find that we, we fall short in that. And I have to say that, you know, that Evelyn and I find that in our lives too, that, you know, we're very busy and there's, uh, there are times when we don't make this the priority we should. Well, I think sometimes we forget that um, just as body of Christ is many members and when we think of that especially with our local congregations we need to remember that, that the body of Christ as a fellowship as a denomination is also made up of many churches and sometimes you know as one who's now going going to be going from a small church to a smaller church um, we forget that, that we need to support each other and, and, and to develop that relationship between all of our churches as well, because otherwise you end up with with situations like, you know, I'm, I'm going to a place where there are 11, 11 members left. And because they're geographically far apart, because they had a lot of problems in the past, um, they're very isolated and have no concept 
really, of the church as a whole. And, and that's one of the reasons why I'm here. I, I, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I'm going there. Because I really believe that we need to, we need to try to strengthen those things that remain and, and help to build, again, a stronger bond between the fellowships as well. Okay. Brother. Well, I was in a huge group we could travel coast to coast totally unknown. You know, unattended. And that was a great blessing. And I have to admit, I'm part of the problem with the government tradition. And I would like to see that reversed. And I think it can be reversed. For one thing, with communication, very simple communication. I think a lot of times we really get down to the basics. We're not that all that different. We are different nationalities, different backgrounds, but we don't let that interfere with the true spiritual growth. And it would open up that our children would have a bigger selection for finding a healthy life. And I think just setting down and developing a, uh, a, a way to learn to listen. Once I know what you're going through, I can understand the problems that you are dealing with. And I think we should do that with different churches, big or small. I think. I don't know if there's that much travel between like it was when I was young uh, to get older and older. I don't know if young kids are traveling around and getting to know each other like we used to. Uh, but I would like to see that come back. And this is a step for that one all forward. Okay. So it's important. I mean, I, mean, I think that. Um, one of the things that was important to me growing up was, you know, when I went to, we, we talk a lot about, well, you know, all the churches used to be the same, or the, and yet in some ways they were all different, you know. When when I when I was growing up, and if we traveled to a different church, you know, sometimes I would be in a cultural situation that was very different than what I was that I, what what I was used to, and I think that was that was good for me to. Um, to become aware of this and that I, I learned some things from that um, that I still forget sometimes today but uh, have to keep going back to. And um, I think there's, there's lots of opportunities for us to um, improve our relationships between churches by improving our communication and by keeping the lines of dialogue open. So what is this form about, or at least what did I perceive it was about? Is it about a biblical mandate for fellowship between churches? Um, somewhat. Is it about technology? Well, maybe a little. Is it about programs and activities? Or as you see, I learned in my travels, I learned how to translate from American to Canadian there. And um, is it about the opportunities that we have? You know, I'd like to spend I'd like to spend some time towards the end of our forum talking about what kind of opportunities do we have, and what is our level of commitment? Because ultimately, I'm afraid uh, 
for better or for worse, that's that's basically what it takes, and that's um, it's it's going to be us up to us with the help of the Lord to, to do that. Is there a biblical mandate? Well, for our local churches, a lot of times we use, use this verse, but I think it's just uh, just as applicable to us as a fellowship of churches. Hebrews 10:25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, a lot of times we use that in our local churches to say this is why people should come, you know, come to our assembly whenever the doors are open. And I think it's just as applicable here. And you notice it says, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Obviously, we're, we're closer to the day of each of us seeing Christ, whether it's through his second return or our death, and the days are, are rapidly approaching where it's the close of our life or it's the close of the age. Are there biblical examples? I went through um, a lot of the epistles especially. I tried to go through Acts and find examples. And if we, if we look at the early church, you know, I, I was actually surprised. You, know, you, you think about the times back then, you think about the modes of travel and transportation they have, the technology they have compared to what we have today, and you think, oh, you know, they probably didn't have that much fellowship between churches. But if you really dig into the epistles and the acts and you read some of the verses that we don't usually pay that much attention to in in Sunday sermons or in, in Bible studies, and you'll see all kinds of little indications about the way they fellowship with each other and about how they work to build a strong fellowship between their churches. Obvious examples, shared greetings. If you read any of the epistles, you know, at the end there's always shared greetings. Colossians 4:14 and 15 here, Luke sent greetings. They also sent greetings to Laodicea. They sent greetings to the church in the home of someone. Um, shared teachings. Paul told the Colossians that they should read the letter he had written to the Laodiceans and that they should read, read the letter that he had written to them. Um, shared encouragement. Paul said that the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, Achaicus, that they refreshed his spirit and yours. So they had believers traveling back and forth and not necessarily, as far as I can tell, not even necessarily ministers um, in the church. Um, the church in Corinthian, the, the Corinthian church took a collection for a financial collection for the church in Jerusalem to help them out. And prayer support, Paul talked about many times. He talks, talk, opens his epistles talking about how he was in Romans 1:9, for example, how he was making prayers for them without ceasing, without ceasing. Obviously, all the epistles are letters. This is, uh, you know, something that we have. Maybe email is is more in use today by our younger, our younger believers. But um, even back then, they did the same thing through letters. They shared ministers and teachers. There's obviously Paul, Apollos, Peter, and there's also a list of um, goes on of people that we don't know that much about: Tychicus, Epaphras, and many others. They hosted other believers. Um, they would have them into their homes, keep them overnight. Um, Paul stopped to see at Philip the Evangelist's home in Acts 21.8, and 
In Acts 28, 14, they uh, stopped and they must have had such a blessed fellowship that they stayed for seven days at a believer's home. Uh, they traveled together. When Paul was coming to Rome, um, people went out and they met him out, out ahead and they traveled with him back to Rome. So, you know, far from the, the early, in spite of the limitations that they had in the early church, you know, they were anything from people that just sat at home in their, in their local church and only worried about local issues. Where do we stand today? Uh, I guess I need to step back a second and say, you know, when I'm addressing the local church, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I don't think that the local church fellowship isn't important or even the, the primary importance, but um, I think that there's a great secondary importance that needs to be put on the fellowship between churches because I think there's some things that it can do that can't be done and the, that the local church can't. So where do we stand today? We have, better wa- we have more and better ways than ever to communicate. We have email, we have instant messaging, list servers, group chats, long distance calling. When I was young, you know, we can't make a long distance phone call. That's going to cost a lot of money. You know, nowadays sometimes it's, ca- it's cheaper for me to call across the country or to call even to another country than it is to dial someplace else in New York State outside of my local my local call area. We have less expensive travel. When I was a child, we flew nowhere. Every place we went, we went in a car. But that was before uh, airline deregulation in the states. Nowadays, there's a lot of times where we can find uh, a sale, get uh, relatively inexpensive travel, and we're able to, to go places with our family that we might not have thought of visiting in the past. Okay, obviously there's websites on the internet, we have cell phones, pagers, personal digital assistants. Um, we live in a wired and wireless society. Fax and of course paper-based mail. So technology tends to improve the efficiency. We can have faster communication. Obviously we can get emails faster than we can get a letter through the mail or than they could in the apostles' time to send a letter between the churches. And sometimes that can give us improved accuracy. Um, the bottom line is, though, that improving the effective, effectiveness of communication is still hard work. Um, requires priorities, and building strong relationships takes efforts, and a lot of times it takes face-to-face involvement. We also have many programs and activities. We have choir visitation, camps, sings, youth rallies, ICFG workshops, course or programs, foundation meetings, mission trips, and there's a minister visitation schedule. However, activity is not an end unto itself. Activities are like works. You know, they may be the evidence of the grace relationship that we have with God, but it's not the relationship itself, and that's what what we really need to concentrate on. Um, Activity participation needs to be driven by a desire to fellowship and nurture the relationship with other believers. You know, I can go to, uh, I can come to camp or I can can go certain places and if I want to I can just, I can hang out in a group and my fellowship and the amount that my relationship with other believers gets nurtured could be very minimal. And I'm I'm sure that um, you know, sometimes 
sometimes you know we can we can get carried away in only fellowshipping with the group and we may need to fellowship with individual believers in order to build relationships what causes weak relationships um, I'm going to need some more help here. These are just some that uh, that I came up with here. So I'd, I'd appreciate you jumping in if um, maybe I've over- overstated some of these things. Um, could be apathy. Um, could be busy schedules and 724, 7x24 jobs. I mean, one thing that was nice about my dad's job, he left home the same time every day and he came home the same time every day. I leave work. I leave for work whenever I want to. And I come home whenever I'm done. And when I'm once I'm home, I get calls, and other I can get calls from work still. And I'm always latched to my wireless cell phone or some other device in order to uh, to get my job done. Um, so maybe that's an excuse, but it sure is different than it was in my dad's day. Um, a lot of times, the needs of our local church are great. And people are given a lot of energy there, and that's good, but it's not doesn't always um, promote the building of relationships between our churches. Uh, sometimes it's just not a high enough priority on our list in order to to create the strong relationships that we need. And there's also a concern about like-mindedness, and um, I find this works both ways. I find that. Um, you know, people are saying, well, you know, you shouldn't go here, you shouldn't go there because I don't know about what's going on there. And, you know, but I find that, um, you know, I think I'm pretty like-minded, but I find there are people who don't come to Syracuse anymore because they don't think we're like-minded. So, and I, I think that's wrong. And um, I'm not sure what we can do to change that, but... Um, you know, I think that some of this is is perception that we need to we need to um, break down. And like one of the brothers said, is that you know a lot of times if we we really get down to brass tacks, that there's a lot more than we have in common than we think. And um, Satan will try to use any little thing he can to divide us and to to uh, to separate us. And finally. There's just the plain lack of love. Um, I'm getting too much into my stories, but um, I have to tell this one. Uh, years ago, there was an older sister back in the early 1900s in our in our congregation at home, and um, she was like kind of like Dorcas. She was known for her good works, and. At the time, there started to be the, the fracture that came in our church between us and the sister church was occurring, you know, and some of the elder brothers came and they talked to her and they wanted to know what her opinion was about, you know, what was causing this division. And this is what she told them. She said, there's a lack of love. And... You know, I, I think about that, and you know, a lot of times when we get down to it, that's that's the, really the bottom line. Is you know, we like to make excuses, but you know, a lot of times it gets back to our personal relationship with the Lord and our our personal relationship with with each other, um, whether it's in the local church or in the church at large. And frankly, we've 
we've lost the love or, or desire, and ultimately that's, that's where we stand. That's what we need to restore. I'm sorry. I was going to give you an opportunity to express your, uh, what, what you think is causing weak relationships. I mean, all of us, you know, have that tendency, you know, it's quick, at least I do. If I, um, if I see, you know, brother, brother hasn't been to Eastern Camp, you know, for a while, you know, I say, I wonder where, you know, is he still like-minded, you know, is, why isn't he here, you know, and, you know, the, Satan can plant all kinds of things in our mind, and really, you know, if we allow, if we allow him to plant those seeds, and water them and let them grow, then, you know, we fall into his trap and we, um, you know, we can blow things out of proportions or we can totally be, be totally wrong about what's going on in the situation. Okay. We need more examples, Brother Roger. Right. So if you went back to your biblical mandate slide, it, it has a lot of reasons there, a lot of things that we can do. Um, we talked about shared teachings. We have a minister visitation schedule. Does your church have one? Do you honor that to share teachers? Um, talk about. Or you mentioned prayer support between the churches. There are uh, websites and emails uh, among our churches for uh, group prayers for different ministries and things going on that we can get involved in. Uh, and the, the traveling, you know, I thought uh, right away early on, uh, as a member of the choristers, we did a lot of traveling and I really enjoy that. Um, does your church have a, a choir? If it doesn't have a choir, maybe. Uh, a group or a quartet, uh, you'll find yourself doing some traveling between churches and start bringing our churches together. And, and those other uh, little uh, ministries that you can have to, to reach out. Okay. I'd like to get into some more of that later. Um, are there Chris? Yes. Just like Colorado mentioned, I, I do get to travel with a quartet. And, and uh, when, since, since where I live, 
We have seven churches from our conference within one hour's drive where I live. And, and just like many people don't necessarily maybe you've heard that they don't like to visit Syracuse, some people question me, how are you able to get along with, with people in the Romanian church where you live? You know, there are people too. You know, there are people in Syracuse. There are people. It is worth your while if you have a love for them to visit. And and if you bother to, to try, you could be you can find Christian love in any of our congregations. Not many people visit the congregation in Harrow, Ontario. But a few years ago, some of their young men, unconverted, came down to a scene that we that was I think it was in West Africa. We got to meet them and and I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a visit. I, I decided on a Wednesday. I told one brother, hey, why don't you come along with me? By the time Sunday rolled around, we had 15 of us coming to Arrow Church. And we got to meet believers that we'd never met before. And they were happy to have visitors that they rarely have. Um, by the afternoon, a mother came up to me. The children said, it was so different to hear somebody different pray after the service. They were used to that, but but they enjoyed it. We bothered, and it doesn't have to say necessarily to be a planned thing. It can be spontaneous. If we're willing to be spontaneous, both in going and in receiving others coming to us, I think we can be successful. You always find where the hardest thing is getting the, the first person, you know, to say they'll go, you know. <laughs> After you get one or two, um, I mean, we have this problem with, or concern with our, with um, some of our teenagers, you know. Are my friends going to be there? I don't want to go if my friends aren't going to be there. And, um, you know, so we said, well, why don't you send your friend an email and see, you know, if they can, if they can arrange to come too. And um, I think that it's it's good that it's good that you know we we come anywhere and sometimes they even have a good time even if their friends aren't there you know the lord if we we go out if we step out in faith and go you know the lord's going to to provide an experience for us i think that we would have missed if we had used whatever excuse it was and 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 stayed home i think uh, from 
perspective of the youth today, there's a lot of sorry. In the youth today, there's a lot of gossip and a lot of assumptions that are made. And I know in my life, even just recently, someone had heard from someone else that they thought I did something that would have upset them, but they weren't even there, but they still felt they could come to me and condemn me for that when it didn't even happen. And, you know, right away, I think people can uh, go to their friends, or if their friends are upset, it's very easy for the youth to hold grudges against each other. And I think it's just, that's something that we all have to learn is how to forgive and how to make sure we know exactly what's going on before we just want to jump into the fire. And a lot of it is just through that people get too picky about each other and they get too upset with one another and don't even feel like trying to resolve something. They're trying to just become friends with them just because they don't see exactly eye to eye on everything. But how are you ever going to do that if you don't discuss anything with them or try to be Okay, so we have to be able to work through grudges, need to be able to forgive each other. I feel that pain.
Okay. So we have the um, more external relationships uh, between churches, but we haven't got that much activities within the church. Okay. So in in Hungary, they they um, invite a church or more than one church is to come and fellowship with them. Um, last night, someone told me that in in Switzerland, when um, um, I don't know the last the previous generation, that a lot of times some of the churches were were too small, and so they would have services like two or three times a month, and then on the off the off weeks, they were told to go visit another church, and so they just closed up the church and they went and they they spent their Sunday at a, another church there. Again, the distances were were relatively close, but um, it was a way to encourage church fellowship. I like the post facts. In engineering, you always deal with the post facts. Post facts nowadays, why are we drawing apart? Uh, simple. Uh, for example, uh, in some churches, you allow kids to go to the movies and other churches you don't. Uh, in some churches, uh, this or that is allowed, like dating. Uh, other churches do not allow dating. And uh, when you look at it from that end, we are not quite like-minded in practice. We may be like-minded in what we believe as far as the uh, Word of God says, as far as salvation is concerned. But how we get there, we are not quite the same. And it, it seems to me that uh, uh, each church is, uh, based on their geography and their culture and their local conditions, cultivating their own distances. And uh, I love going to the Kuba church. Although many of our members and uh, many of uh, our leadership uh, uh, people will tell me, no, do not go there, they're not in our conference and uh, do not fellowship with them. I disagree because I have only found love there and I have found purity. The fact that they are eight hours away from the closest church is forcing them to make some decisions that other congregations do not see necessary to, to make. Club. Two daughters so that were members of our church married into a Mennonite community. So should we excommunicate them now? They had no choice for that before. I asked the president there, when you come to visit, we would love you, but it's 36 hours drive. How do you want us to get there? And how often? Where do we go? And, and those, those are issues that uh, affect so life every day. Even within our church in Minnesota. Churches in Ohio, or church in Harold, or church in Toronto. Like, uh, how do we get closer to each other? Is the question that we need to, to answer. And uh, then I'm told, perhaps even this that I might not agree with 100%, but I'm willing to tolerate in order to maintain our denomination. I don't have to have everything my way, but I, I'm willing to tolerate things. For the sake, as long as they are not sins, but I'm willing to tolerate these different uh, practices in order to have to. Okay. Well, I mean, I think one of the, the problems is is that we don't have more open communication when these things start, and it seems like we put up barriers right away, and we never we never talk through these things, and. You know, I, I think that one of the things that the fellowship between churches do that the um, that the local church can never can never do is if we look in the Bible, we see examples of local churches and 
where they where they ended up based on their own myopic or nearsighted nearsightedness. And we see the Apostle Paul when he wrote in his epistles, he had to rebuke a lot of those churches. We see when when John when Christ rebuked the churches in Revelation. I mean, left to themselves, you know, we we sometimes we we like when things are going good in our church, we like to elevate ourselves and we like to say, Wow, my church is great. It's wonderful. We're, we should be the example for everybody. And I'm sorry, but it's just not like that. You know, if you peel away the layers, you know, if you really sit down in a room and you talk with somebody and, you, and the guy says, Wow, you know, our church is really growing. We're growing in numbers. You know, sometimes, you know, if you, ha- if you ask the hard questions, well, well how are you growing? Oh, well... Uh, we got a bunch of members that came over from the sister church, and we, we got a bunch of Baptists that moved into town, and they're coming to our church now. And, you know, um, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't pick that as an example, but I'm saying is, you know, when you sit down and you talk with another believer about what's going on in their church, don't just buy the marketing brochure. You know, you got to get down to, you know, what's really going on. And, you know, you talk about going to movies, you talk about dating. You know, in some churches, yes, those practices are, are coming in. Do you know what? In some churches, those practices were there 30 years ago. In some churches, those practices were there more than that. And the thing is, if we don't have honest discussions with each other about, about these types of topics, then nothing's going to change. You know, and perhaps we need to be challenged sometimes. Sometimes we get into a mentality where we only have our narrow view. And that's the way everybody should do it. And um, we, we create certain practices around it, and we, we get into a, a false sense of security, you know. And whenever we see somebody that doesn't do it quite like this, then, you know, they're, they're obviously wrong. And, and while there's dangers in, e- in either way, you know, if, if we really get down and we force people to talk about, you know, what are the dangers of dating? What are the dangers going to movies? What are you doing in your home? Maybe you're telling people they shouldn't go to movies. What are you watching in your home on TV? You have a TV set in your home? How can you allow that today? You know, we had brothers years ago that thought TV sets were evil. They thought they were evil then. You know, we, we really got to be more honest with ourselves. You know, we, we sometimes we set up these these um, these things. We're, we're judging other people, and we really aren't honest about what's going on in our lives, in our homes. And if we can get down and talk with people at, at that level, you know, what are the spiritual principles involved? Are you following the spiritual the Bible, biblical principles? You know, there can be a relatively broad, a broad range of ways to act out these spiritual principles. But um, you know, I mean, there are some people that um, you know. There are some there are some people that um, won't be able to to get down and talk at that level, and that's sad. And perhaps you know you can't reach them. Perhaps you can't change a whole other church. But perhaps through fellowship with another believer, you might be able to impact one brother or one sister and open their eyes up in one way or another. And that's really I think one of the the most important things that fellowship between churches can give us. I'm sorry, I'm rambling, rambling on, Brother Bob.
problems denominationally because we, we have two different conferences. And if we if we're going to follow the scripture that says to obey them that have rule over us because they watch for our souls, and we should obey them so that they can do it with joy, then we already have one division of category about. And as a son of one of those brothers who is involved in a lot of those discussions and a lot of those problems, that's not an easy decision to come to. Those aren't things that they just all of a sudden decided that because of their feelings or because of their cultures, they decided to make those decisions. So as one that wants to try to cut them a little bit of slack, so to speak, and also to be very supportive of them, they have also tried to encourage the fellowships to have more interaction with them. And while some of us are thinking um, cross-conference problems and things like that, within our own conference, we find those same problems. It's our own, um, a lot of times our own issues. That, uh, I don't know how to act in a Romanian church, maybe. Well, I, I should try. Sometimes, you know, to understand that, that different churches that have different cultures as part of the diversity of the body of Christ as well. It's something I might need to learn. And if I really love my brothers and sisters, I don't necessarily need to change them. I need to be willing to adapt myself to them sometimes. Maybe it means I have to have a little bit less freedom myself. Or maybe they have to love me a little bit more and understand some of the freedoms that I have. But when the, when the leadership of the church asks the congregations to fellowship with each other, they give us, they give us minister visitation schedules. Um, they ask us to encourage each other to visit. We need to do more of that. And if no other reason, God will be here. And if we do that, we'll probably find out that even in some of these churches that we're really concerned about, um, because we've heard bad things about them. There may be some problems there. There probably are. There may be some individuals there that have problems. Which of us has a church that doesn't have individuals in it with problems? But there are also brothers and sisters probably just like us who are struggling very hard, who want very much the fellowship and are feeling ostracized. I made that experience not too long ago. Um, and, you know, we, we, we really need to look for the opportunities to strengthen those things that remain and, and try to build things rather than try to tear things down. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, obviously, like as you pointed out, I mean, I don't. I guess I was talking somewhat generally, but you know whether you look at our conference, the other conference, like you said, we've got all the problems. We've got all the problems as far as supporting fellowship, you know, just within ours, um, and a lot of the problems are the same.
So I'd like to talk some more about what we can do about it. What does God want the end result to be? What would the the uh, what solution would God want want us to um, have here ultimately? And I think we've talked about some of this already. Why is it important? Shared experiences. You know, you know. There's been time people have come to our homes and they're going through a tough time, and you know they spent most of the weekend, you know, telling us about their problems, their concerns, and not. And I never felt bad about that. I mean, that sounds like it could be kind of a downer weekend, but no, it wasn't. You know, I felt that you know they they had to express this, they had these concerns, and um, they needed someone that they could talk to about these things, and they didn't want to, you know, sometimes the local church, there's concerns, you know, if I tell somebody else, somebody else might tell somebody else, and, you know, they felt comfortable sharing this with, uh, with us, and, you know, hopefully we're mature enough to keep that, keep that among ourselves and to be able to in, encourage them. And other times we've gone someplace, you know, we went someplace and we've had eye-opening spiritual experiences. A couple years ago, we went to a sing, and um, we didn't ask to go to anyone's house in particular, and we were placed somewhere, and we were placed with a brother that was my age or younger, and he had been in prison because he went he went uh, bare arms during the armed conflict in his country, and you know. This was just eye-opening. We had our kids there. We all sat around the table. We listened to him tell about his experiences, how he was when he was in prison, and how the Lord miraculously, you know, allowed him to to get out of prison and to to uh, immigrate here to North America. And you know, that was for me. That was one of you know one of many personal highlights or spiritual Ebenezer's that I've experienced from from fellowship. And I don't think there's anyone. In, in our congregation, there's definitely no one my age in our congregation that's ever been imprisoned for the faith, and I don't think that um, there's anyone of any age in our Syracuse con- congregation that was actually imprisoned for the faith, although many, there are several that um, were in prison camps and stuff during the war. You know, sometimes it's good if we get forced out of our comfort zones. You know, why did Paul need to write to the churches? Usually it was because they had they had drifted some way, one way or the other, and they had problems that, that need to be addressed and locally they they didn't even see that they had problems a lot of times. Um, it's important for shared prayer to share prayer requests with each other. Like Brother Roger pointed out, there's a lot of um, a lot of different ways that on the internet now that people are exchanging prayer requests through missionary newsletters. Um, there's a list server I know that somebody just sent me an email about the other day where, where people can put out prayer requests or um, things like that for North American churches. And um, there's a lot, a lot of ways that we can share prayer requests. And if someone comes into our home, you know, sometimes, you know, we found that we've been going through the same the same struggles in some area, and we need to, to pray together right then and there. You know, who can do this? Obviously, it's in God's hands. If we have a burden for this, we have to commit it to Him in prayer. 
And I'm taking because it, because you're here that a lot of you have a burden for this. And um, obviously, it's up to each member of the body. You know, I think this is important not just for a few, but for all members of the body to think about the talents and gifts that they have and what opportunities God lays in their hearts to, to do those. And I think that some people may even have a specific calling that they really the Lord's going to tell them to get more involved in this. Who needs this? Believers without a local fellowship. You know, one of my concerns the last couple of years has been my job stability. If I lose my job, am I going to be able to find another one in Syracuse? Probably not. And I'm going to have to go where I have a job. And you know, how am I going to how am I going to find fellowship with believers of like precious faith? You know, so for us, you know, when this this has happened to other people, we know. For me personally, and for, for Evelyn also supports this, that we find it's important for us to try and visit people that are believers without a local fellowship. Um, church outreaches, we've been to Delaware. Uh, the missions, there's obviously opportunity for even the missionaries. The foundation has sent brothers down to, um, to exhort them, to encourage them. Small churches were mentioned, obviously and sometimes even large churches, I guess I shouldn't say sometimes, even large churches need shared fellowship. Um, I'm running out of time and I'm talking too much. Um, again, the hard thing nowadays, I find my life, it's, it's, it's always comes back to what are my priorities and how am I gonna stay focused on them? You know, we can try to make wise use of technology and that that can be helpful, um, but ultimately we gotta we've got to listen to what the Lord has to tell us about what's most important, and we have to proceed proceed from there and take action. So I don't know what the Lord will tell you, but if you take it to Him in prayer, I'm sure He's going to lay some things on your heart and some things that you can some things that he wants you to do. And probably you don't want to sign up for every email letter there is out there. Probably you don't want everybody in the Apostolic Christian Church sending you an email. Um, so you're probably going to have to make some choices about what type of, what things the Lord wants you to do and where you need to focus on building your relationships. Choosing programs and activities, this is kind of hard close to our heart. Um, we try to choose activities with our family in mind. We want to go to baptisms of people of, that our kids know and relate to. Um, it's important for us. We want them to see that example. We want them to want that for themselves to be converted and to be baptized in our church. Uh, sings are important to us. We love singing in our home and we are always, always thankful to go most of us. For us, it's been very important. We decided to make this from the time we were married and had children, we decided this was important. We've got to, our kids have got to find friends in the church. And even if we can't travel, you can't always travel, they can get pen pals. You know, worst case, you can write letters back and forth. And as far as hardships of travel, I mean, I, I don't know, personally, 
I'm kind of numb, numb to that, but some people see travel as a hardship. Um, we just put our kids in the car and went, and sometimes they complain, but since we started early, um, they know it doesn't get them very far, and so, so even when we have those situations, they come along mostly willingly. And we found it's important to be, you know, it's great to visit, you know, old, close friends and things, but, you know, it's important sometimes to be willing to stay with someone you don't know because that can really get you out of your comfort zone sometimes and can really be an unexpected, unexpected blessing. And we like, we like to stay in our, where we're comfortable, but, you know, sometimes that isn't what's best for us. Here's a big one. The house doesn't have to be perfect to have company. Um, I preach this at home a lot, but I don't always get as much support from Evelyn as I'd like on this. And she says that, you know, I should be willing to pitch in and come up to bring the home up to her standards, which aren't that high, she says. But, um, you know, and I fail in this a lot. But we try to, we, um, Evelyn tries to get a commitment out of me, which, um, like I said, invariably I get calls from work and everything happens when I'm supposed to be, I've committed to sweeping the house and doing these types of things, but, um, you know, we try to get the kids to pitch in and help out too. And as we talked about before, financially sometimes it's expensive, Um, but, you know, if if our child has a friend in Phoenix and they're getting baptized, we're going to find a way to find the money to get them out there and be there. Because we think that there's eternal profitability here that outweighs the dollars and cents. And I wanted to leave this slide out, and based on my time, I probably should have. What if I'm in an uncomfortable situation? Sometimes, you know, we get in over our heads, we're out, of our, we're out of our culture zone. We're out of our comfort zone, we're out of our culture. Uh, when I went to youth rally when I was young, uh, we got sent to the home of these older guys, and I was probably 13 or 14, and we had taken a bus there from Tremont to the Akron area. And they were disappointed because they were expecting kids their age, and so they shipped us off someplace else to another home, family. That really makes you feel loved, does it? <laughs> Especially your 13, 14, you know. I'm, I'm lonesome. I want my mommy. Oh. But we, we got sent to another home. They had a bunch of kids our age, and they already had, I don't know, they had several of their own kids, plus, you know, three or four other kids that were already there. And we had a great time, and it ends up that um, Evelyn's brother um, married into that family, and Whenever I see the, the mother, you know, still when we, we get back to Akron and I see her, you know, she always reminds me of that time that we came and stayed at her house and we had salami for breakfast, which was another, uh, <coughs> which was outside of my culture at that time also. Um, if we're there, you know, maybe God put us there to learn something. You know, I, I mean, we can focus on the negatives and, you know, but even the Apostle Paul said, you know, that, that um, these dissensions, these things that come between you, you know, they're going to be used to by God to determine what's what's right, what's pure, and you know, it's it's not just one group or the other that's going to be tried. The choices that I make, the choices that we make as a church, as a fellowship, you know, ultimately God's going to try those, and we're 
we're going to have to grow, you know, eventually we're forced to grow whether we like it or not. And I can't, I, you know, we like to stay where we're comfortable, but that's not always possible, and God's got growth in it for us. And even if someone doesn't like our views, doesn't, wants to criticize the way we think or where we're coming from, you know, I hate listening to criticism, but it's important for our spiritual growth too, you know. Someone once said, and I think it's very true, is, you know, is that in all criticism, there is never any, any criticism that is totally unbased, off, off base, you know. If somebody's got a criticism, it might be a very, very fine point that we should listen to, but there's something that we should learn from that, and I think that's really true. Um, in closing, you know, I, if anybody would like to stay behind and talk about opportunities that, uh, that you see that we could work together better, um, I'm hoping that um, maybe, maybe there's some, some people here that... Uh, would really like to work together and improve our our inner fellowship uh, communication and uh, fellowship. And uh, I'd be glad to talk to anybody that's that's interested in it. Maybe we could. I'd e- like to make a very second announcement in that platform. Uh, whoever is involved uh, in the creation of the new songbook, it was meant to encompass and design for our congregations. We'd be happy to talk to anyone of the congregations who would love to visit you and sing together from these new books that you're putting and see how your fellowship would accept these new books for Sunday evening worship at other times. So that's one of the things that we'd love to do, to visit each other and uh, sing from these books, the songs that are sung in Hungarian, in German, in Serbian, and new songs in English language nowadays. So one of the things, we'd love to talk to you and see why should we visit your church and sing together from these new books. Well, I like to say, when you do talk to Thank you for your participation, and I look forward to seeing you in Syracuse soon. And give me an invite, and I'll show up at your church, too. With my kids.